0: Are you ready? Holy Spirit, here we are. Just wanting what you have. Not necessarily what's in the notes, although you gave those to me, but what you have for the moment. Let me ask you a question this morning. Anybody here ever been a victim of identity theft? Lift your hand up. Some of you? All right. How many of you would never raise your hand for anything? <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, there's so much talk in the media and, and, and in, in circles where you run about identity theft. And we're just inundated with all kinds of identity situations. But, you know, we have, in this identity theft, we there are so many things that just bombard us that are tied to identity. I mean, look at the, the newspapers or the, uh, the television and, and fashions. You know, women's, men's, ch- fashions are presented in a way that uh, are to, uh, for their determination, are to um, determine your identity with possessions. You know, y- 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 you have this thing. Well, think what the neighbors will say when you drive up in your new, whatever. You know, if you use this product on your lawn, all the neighbors will. You know, and and all of these items, these things. Are designed to get you to identify with that particular product or that particular possession. You know, the, the TV is just full of it. Oh, he went to Jared's. <laughs> <laughs> An identity thing. I mean, so who cares, you know? You know, you need to learn. If you watch television, you need to learn to talk back to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do this and such and such will happen. And I say, not me, because I walk in divine life. I will not receive that kind of stuff. Pr- promoting all these drugs, you know, and, and you'll, uh, don't ever be guilty of this. There are times when you may have some kind of a sickness come on you. Never claim it. Never say, my, and then name the sickness. That's what they want you to do on the television. My this, my that, and then you take this stuff, you may die from it, but boy, you won't have it anymore, you know? So it's like, it's craziness. You know... Uh, the, uh, a big business, I, I don't know how big it is here, but in in Denver it's a big business, and that's the sale of athletic jerseys with the name of their favorite Bronco on the back. What's the point of all that? To be identified with a winner. Uh, they. <laughs> Yeah, ushers, no, no, br- bring them up here, we'll cast that demon out. <laughs> that, that was last year, brother. But you know, it, people, people buy this stuff, they spend lots of money on it to be identified. You know, I, I, I see people wearing uh, clothing that has the name of the, where, where do you work, you told me. And they have the name on the... Huh? And I said, why should I pay money to wear that and advertise free for them? But see, it all comes down to identity. I want to be identified with something that's cool. I want to be identified with something that's in. And then the, the, and next season, there's another in. And now you've got to change all of that. So we we have... This emphasis uh, on identity and it's all tied up in things, it's tied up in the kind of house you live in, the kind of neighborhood you live in, the kind of car you drive, the kind of clothes you wear, the the things you read, the kind of food you eat, and the list goes on and on. The restaurants you go to and even what church you attend oh, well, we go to the largest church in town. <laughs> and dry up, too, you know. <laughs> Been there, done that, and bought the T-shirt. But, but we hear people talking all the time about finding out who they are. Well, I'm, I'm really just trying to find out who I am. And, you know, that, that's a good indicator, that statement... That's where you need to be so grounded in your identity, in the real, that you can step in and say, let me talk to you about that. You don't need to go to some therapist and spend all kinds of money on, on a finding out who you are when they don't even know who they are, you know? Just, just let, me, let me tell you where you can get some identity in your life established that will never leave. Yeah. So these people are, are seeking for this identity because, let's face it, with all of us, it's a very significant thing in our lives. You know, uh, I, was, I was asking Shane, you know, what kind of a gang problem do you have in this area? Do you know what that's all about? Identity. You know, what you smoke, what you shoot up, what gang you're part of, what, what colors you wear. It's all identity. And we, as a people, are just absolutely driven by identity. We've got to be identified with something. And and if we don't have the right direction, we'll get identified with something that is absolutely worthless and that will kill you. And so we need to really know that, that the identity that we're seeking is going to be a lasting identity. But without knowing who you really are will result in no goals, no direction, and you'll be going nowhere. It's kind of like a car in neutral. The motor bay may be running, but you're going nowhere. Wow. Until you get it in gear. See, um, <laughs> sometimes they just say, well, I'm just waiting on God. You know, there's a passage, I, I, I don't know the address of it, but it's when God said to Moses, stop praying, get up and move. Because the Holy Spirit can direct something that's in motion. But he can't. It's tough for the Holy Spirit to get you up off of your blessed assurance and get you going in the right direction. All right? So, let me say it to you this this way the Lord gave it to me. No ID, no purpose, no purpose, no goals, no goals. No direction. No direction, no hope. No hope, and you're like a ship lost at sea. Driven, as James says, driven about with every wind of doctrine. Somebody will come say, oh, come over here and see the Christ. Come over here and see this. And the Bible tells us, if they say he's over here, don't go. Don't go. So consequently, with all of these things with no goals and no direction we have no impact for the kingdom of God we're just sort of existing Jesus didn't come to give us an existence he came to give us life and that eternal and if something is eternal you know what it's not going away it's not going to change. It's going to give you direction and hope, and without hope, we're in trouble. See, Hebrews 11:1 says, "Then faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's not the hope that's the substance. It's the faith that's the substance. And if you understand that faith is the substance of what you hope for, your picture out there of whatever it is, and you have your faith established in that, then that faith is as real as when that object appears in the physical. And when you have established your faith in that kind of hope based upon the Word of God, then when that thing appears, it won't be any surprise. You'll hardly get excited. You've been believing God for a new car, and when it finally arrives, it'll be, praise God, let's drive it. But you see, it won't be, woo hoo. Oh, look, it finally got here. No, forget it, because your faith has been so established and you've seen that thing so strongly that it is so real to you months and years past. All right? So there's too many people that are just existing in life because someone spoke words into their unprotected heart and destroyed their hope, destroyed their dreams, and destroyed, consequently, their usefulness. Some of you sitting in this room, your heart really wants to do things for the Lord, but somebody, somewhere, and maybe a, quote, no, I won't say spiritual person, a religious person said something to you that destroyed that. You don't even realize that that, that destruction has taken place. It's just something that was a seed from that that was planted in your heart, and your heart grew it, and there you are. And you're wondering, why can't I do this? Why can't I? What, what's wrong with me? You see, words are so absolutely powerful, they will either propel you or destroy you. I had this little kid in class. I was talking to somebody yesterday about it. I used to teach uh, uh, vocal music many years ago, and I had this little seventh-grade kid, and I was trying to develop a choir out of these ragamuffins, and, uh, and I found out not a one of them in class could match a pitch. It was like, oh, help me, Jesus. So anyhow... I said to this little, Richie, I even remember his name, little freckle-faced, uh, uh, red-headed kid. And I said, I said, uh, okay, Richie, uh, sing this note. And I sang a an note, and he said, no, I can't. Oh, come on, try No, I can't. And finally, I said, well, I'll tell you what, you sing a note and I'll match. He said, no. I said, why not? He said, you'll get mad at me like my last music teacher. I saw the problem. And uh, make a long story short, by the end of the semester, I had him singing a song like God Bless America or America the Beautiful or something all by himself, and he'd walk out of that room 10 feet tall. You know? I changed his dynamic in his thinking that he couldn't. And the Word of God is the dynamic changer. This will change. Whatever has been said to you by whoever, no matter how well-meaning they were. My wife's sister um, went went to the pastor's daughter's wedding. She was going to be in the wedding party. And they went to a rehearsal. I understand this many years ago. So there had been some things that had changed. But, but she went to the wedding rehearsal in a pair of blue jeans. And he absolutely ripped her apart. She turned and never served the Lord again. Now, my wife prayed her, for her, this little side note, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 to 19, and chapter 3, verses 16 to 19, and if you have people that you need, that, that you want to get saved, start praying the word over them, because God says, I watch over my word to perform it, Jeremiah 1.12, okay? But in those verses... I pray the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ will grant unto you wisdom and knowledge in the revelation of Jesus Christ, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And it goes on. She prayed that over her family every day for a year, and all of them came to accept Jesus, including a Jewish brother-in-law. Okay? So the word works, but we've got to work it. That's right. Okay? You know, it, in, uh, in Isaiah, it says that, that uh, he sent forth his word and it did the work. Wow. He sent forth his word and it performed what he had designed it to. All we have to do is give the word consistently and watch it do the work. Do you know what that does? That lifts the pressure off of me. I don't have to make the word perform. I don't have to beat the people up to make sure they're getting it. I just have to deliver the word even if it's not in their presence. But see, those words spoken to, to Marlis' sister destroyed her. And she was raised in a pastor's home but it destroyed her from her walk with the Lord. She went on to be with the Lord, and my wife made sure that that was taken care of before she left. But there were many years there in which she became useless to the kingdom of God, all because somebody imposed their religious belief on them. So all those hopes and dreams died. So there's too many people living their lives based on words that have been spoken over them. And those words have limited them. As I said Friday and I said this morning, their history has become their ceiling and they never go higher than the ceiling. But you know, the, the in the circuses many years ago, they had... Uh, people who did acts with fleas and so the the guy would put his fleas in the jar at night and they kept jumping out so he put them in the jar and put a lid on and those fleas would jump up and hit their head on the lid and they did that for a little while and then they started jumping not quite so high Because they got tired of bumping their head and so he then could take the lid off and leave it off and they'd never jump out. (laughs) It's kind of like the old story, you probably know this, about frogs. You put a frog in a pot of boiling water, he'll jump out. But you put put the frog in a pot of cold water and turn the fire on, it warms up slowly and it'll cook him. That's where a lot of us have been. We've been put in the cold water, and the fire of carnal things has just started getting things hotter. And pretty soon, we accept stuff. We accept stuff that we wouldn't even thought of accepting. You know, we we listen to stuff on the radio, on television that years ago we would have gotten so mad we'd have taken a sledgehammer to the TV. But now it's just like, oh, well. Oh, well. And so we, we need to understand that, that those things that, that uh, are limiting us now are things that just came along with the heating of the water so that we would get turned just a degree at a time. All right? You still here? All right. There's been so many times that children have been stifled and and that they've lived their lives in defeat and despair because a parent has spoken words about things in a fit of anger you'll never amount to anything. I worked in the ghettos in New York for a couple of years. We had... It, it was a horrible situation because we had junior, eight, junior high, you know, that's now middle school age children in those schools who didn't even know the alphabet, let alone read. And the reason was is that you had this white teacher sitting there telling this little black kid you're, you're just a stupid little blankety blank and if you sit there and keep your mouth shut I'll pass you. So he did. They did. 12, 13, 14 years old didn't even know the alphabet because somebody in authority over them told them this trash so we started going in there we recruited college age kids to to move into the community to live there and and to go in and we used to have classes after school we had bible classes and cooking and sewing and reading and these kids were not stupid because in a 9 month period a school year they would they would excel two and three grade levels in reading ability because somebody loved them. And let me tell you, you didn't go into those communities and raise your own support if you didn't love. (laughs) We don't, you know, this part of the country, you don't know what a ghetto is. I won't go there. I don't have time. But it's... It 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 was that kind of a situation, and and uh, we our our group got we took them in then to a summer camp out in New Jersey, which was a very wealthy area and and a campground. But anyhow, we our our workers got so good at this that the schools started inviting them in during school time to teach the kids on reading. Oh, did we have some great times! We had a, I'll tell you one, one more thing. We, we, uh, we had 10 locations around there and we had our own basketball league. Now, we're talking about guys who are high school and post high school who uh, you live in these tenement houses four, five stories high. There's no air conditioning and it's hot as blazes and no cross breeze. And so why go up and go to bed? You can't go to sleep. So they'd stay out on the playground area of the schools and play basketball by streetlight till two or three in the morning. And These guys were good. <laughs> so we had our own league, and so we took the best of all of those um, kids and, and went down through the Appalachian Mountains playing these small college teams, just beating the socks off of them. <laughs> and, uh, And and we were able we got some scholarships for some of these kids to some of those schools. So you know it was it was a great time. But you see, they they were victims of. And and let me say it this way: they were overt victims of word abuse. Now we live in a society where you have the same kind of abuse. It's just all covered up. All right. So we we have this situation where uh, parents have been victims of this word abuse that's beat them up and beat them down and destroyed their dreams and their hopes and desires and never have fulfilled it. And so then they have children and they try to live their dreams out through their children. And then what happens? Everybody gets frustrated because the child ends up doing a bunch of stuff that they have no desire or passion or drive to do, and then they get beat up by the parents because you're worthless, you'll never amount to anything. And the cycle goes on and on and on. And it's all because they need to be identified with something and somewhere, somehow. So this cycle needs to be broken. Because you cannot live somebody else's dream. God has a specific dream for you and only you. Your dream is as unique as your fingerprints. There's no two fingerprints alike. Think about the billions of people on planet Earth and there's no two fingerprints alike. There's no two retinas alike. You know, in Denver we have the National Western Stock Show, and and many years ago there would be the the prize-winning bull, and you'd have another one look just like it, and so they'd do a switcheroo. Well, they started, they they discovered they could take nose prints of those bulls, and no two nose prints were alike. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? This is the uniqueness of our God because he has a specific identity for each one of you and attached to that identity is a specific destiny. And let me tell you something. There are no two destinies alike. They may be similar, like the similarities in in language. You know, when we all talk in tongues, there's some similarities, but I've never heard two of them alike. That's because that's daddy's language for you, to talk directly to him without the devil or anybody else understanding it. Even you don't understand it. But you just know that that language talks to Abba, your daddy, and he loves it. Well, that's not in the notes. But see, you are so special. But see, he gives us the, the clue to um, all of this. Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Where do I get knowledge? In the blueprint. <laughs> see, see, two people can read the same passage and come up with different revelations. Now, now if, if your revelation is backed up by some other scriptures, then, then you won't get goofy. Okay? There are those who come up with goofy revelations. But then. So until you come into the knowledge of what God, your creator, the one who knows you from the inside out, the one who knew you before you ever entered your mother's womb, because he designed you in, in the halls of heaven, he designed your spirit to look a certain way, to act a certain way and assigned a destiny to you for the sake of the kingdom being established on earth as it is in heaven. So while you were in heaven first, he planted this in you so that you would know what the kingdom up there was like. So when you got here, you could fulfill all of that because Ephesians says that we were created in Him before you ever got here. But then when you got here, this stuff out there started getting fed into you by either well-meaning or stupid people that fed stuff into you. And now that stuff, which is contrary to what the Father placed in you before you ever were planted in your mother 's womb before that ever took place. You, now you 've got to fight that stuff because the the plan. And the destiny that he planted in you is in your heart. And your heart knows it. And your heart knows what to do with it. But when you, all that other junk is planted in your heart, then you've got this battle going on. That's why the 7th chapter of Romans, Paul says, things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I, I, I do, oh, woe is me. And then the next verse, but there's no condemnation to those that are where? In Christ. It's just that the carnal things, all the trash and the identity garbage, has has been planted in you. That's contrary to what the Father planted in you before you were even a gleam in your daddy's eye, all right? And and all of that stuff is just here is this battle going on in you, and that's why you got you you've got to take the Word of God, and you have to. Get this in you so that you know the path, and you know the goals, and you know the direction, and you know your destiny. And when you get that, hell or high water can't get you off of it. There's not a demon in hell that's strong enough or big enough or stupid enough to try and get you off your destiny. It's like when you, when you get a hold of this the, and, and the word of God is so strong in you and it's laid out the plan before you, then when you get up in the morning, it's not, oh, good Lord, morning. It's, it's when you get up in the morning, the devil says, stay away from that street. He's up again. <laughs> so we've got to get the blueprint. Now, let me, I'll just quickly um, say this to you. Genesis 1.26, we read it Friday. God said, let us uh, make man after our image and our likeness. And that word there, likeness, means exact duplication in kind. That blows some religious minds exact duplication in kind, is it any wonder that you're a target for Satan to keep you off track? To, to do everything he can to keep you from, from uh, fulfilling everything. That's why we need, to, we need to read and study the Word. Not just read it, study the Word in order to find out exactly what's the direction and goal of my life Because this book is the blueprint for your life, but all the trash ever since you landed on planet Earth is contrary to that. That's why you need to be in a place like this where you're going to get the truth. Because, see, his plan for us is for us to be like him. We hear so much about this identity theft, but I say the first theft of identity was in the garden I won't take time to read it but see Satan it, it, many of you know the story if you don't read Genesis chapter 3 verses 1 through 7 and And Satan came because Adam had been given the mandate have dominion keep the garden and in comes this snake and evidently things were different then because they weren't surprised when the snake spoke that's That's free. You just think about that one though. All right. So so here was this little dialogue between Satan and Adam and Eve. And uh, the story is that they, he said, you eat of this, you'll be like God knowing good and evil. Listen, they were already like God. They didn't need to know good and evil because... That word know there is the same verse that says Adam knew Eve and she conceived. And when you come to know good and evil, something's going to be conceived in your heart. It's serious business. Serious business. And so here Satan presented a different view of, Of themselves from God's view God said you're like me you're my reflection you're my mirror I've given you this planet to keep it I want you to have not try and get I want you to have dominion over it because I'm giving it to you to run because this planet is where I want to see my kingdom established here just like I got at home (laughs) And I want this to be your home and you'll have the same kind of kingdom and then we'll all have fun. Well, Satan didn't like that, of course, and so he presented this different view. God's view of our identity was my image and likeness. Satan's view was different from that. So by getting their focus off of God's declaration and on to themselves, because you'll be like... So they shifted their focus. And he stole their identity. Now, how many of you have ever been a victim of identity theft? Every hand in the place ought to be up. Of course, some of you wouldn't raise your hand for anything, like I said. But <laughs> be that as it may, so so here we have um, these these this identity theft, and we have examples of that all through Scripture. Cain didn't like his identity; he wanted Abel's, and so he killed Abel. Uh, you have um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hurry here. So when we Begin to compare ourselves and our giftings and our abilities with somebody else. We're you're in the process of, of robbing yourself of your own identity, and when you start to question your identity, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. Acts 17 28. You need to, you need to ha- have this as much a part of you as breathing. In Him, we live and move and have our being. You need to learn to, to look at Scripture in the converse. In Him, we live and move and have our being. So if I'm not in Him, I'm not living, I'm not having a, a being and I'm not moving anywhere. And then it kind of brings it to, to focus even better. And I love, I love this verse out of all the Bible, Second Corinthians five seventeen. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. And that word creation there means there ain't never been one like you before. God's not in the business of makeovers. He's in the business of brand newers. Okay, He makes you brand new because you can't even say there have been those who have tried to teach that he restores us back to what Adam had. No, because, because you see, Adam had a very unique position that nobody else has had. But now we have the, the, uh, uh, the position of having the Holy Spirit. See, Adam walked and talked to God. Uh, that's awesome. But now the Holy Spirit comes in us, thanks to Jesus. It abides in us. It, 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 it takes up residence where he'll never leave or forsake us. So we don't need to say, oh, come, Holy Spirit. Don't beg God for anything. Only heathens beg. Okay? So what we need to do is to get the Word in us and let it do the work. You start meditating on 2 Corinthians 5.17, I guarantee you, your thinking will change. It will change. So comparing ourselves with some other flawed, changeable, emotional being is going to cause tremendous confusion in you. Okay? So we we must look to our creator. Satan got the focus off their creator, but Hebrews 12.2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, so that's why we need to keep our focus is on Jesus. You can't do that if you don't know the word. So it comes back to the word. That's why he had it written down for us. And Hebrews 13.8 says that he's the same yesterday, today, forever. Why would I want to have my identity based in something that was up one day and down the next? Roller coaster here. That's why you never want to get your eyes on another human. Get your eyes on the Lord Jesus. He is praying for you at the right hand of the Father. If he sees you straying off, he says, Holy Ghost, sick him. Get him back on track. And then when you have that nudge from the Holy Spirit that lives in you, you need to watch it and do it. So all through the scripture, Abraham, he, God spoke to him. And when he spoke to him, he was declaring his identity, and Abraham accepted it quickly. I love the passage. I think it's in the Living Bible. It says, uh, and away he went, not even knowing where he was going. (laughs) Oh, well, Lord, you you show me the direct steps, and I'll go do it. There's a song. uh, It goes something like, uh, I may not know the next step, but I know the one who does. And that's... uh, Way to go! So then Abraham, you know, he called those things to be not as what, though they were. Good old Jacob, you know, he, yeah, I know, I need to quit. My, my wife's giving me the motion here. <laughs> oh dear, okay, um, but there's lots of people. Uh, Jacob, you know, he, he um, had an interesting life, but you know, he was called Jacob means the deceiver. But you see, he he wrestled with God, and he said, "I won't turn you loose until you bless me." Now he had to slug him in the hip, make him limp, in order to turn him, get him to turn him loose. But you see, he changed his name from Jacob, which meant deceiver, to Israel, which means prince. Wait a, there's, yeah, and and Israel also means. He will rule as God. Oh, my. So your your identity, even Moses said, who shall I say sent me? I well, I am. Well, I gave Moses identity with authority. Okay? Is that my signal to quit? <laughs> oh, dear. You know... Uh, David, a mighty king. And yet, he committed adultery and he almost lost his God identity. But Nathan came and pointed out to him the problems. And you see, behind closed doors, King David could have had Nathan killed and nobody would have questioned But... David got angry over the story that Nathan told, and he said, who is that? And he said, that man is you. And it says, David repented. And then God said, I have a man in that position after my own heart. Oh, dear Jesus. So we, we have this before us. Don't let fear come and rip your identity away. Stand on the word God and and, uh, get to know from the word who you are. Yeah. You come to know the one that gave you the identity. And once you know the one who gave you your identity, you won't want any other identity. There will not be any group, any this, any that, any nothing will surpass that identity that gets settled in you, and then you'll be effective for the Word of God. Let me pray with you. Just lift your hand. Father, I pray this word will just penetrate our hearts, every one of us. And and I just thank you, Father God, that as it sinks deep in our heart, it will turn into that which you've designed it to do in Jesus' name. Well, thank you for coming this morning.